And so uh, the last few weeks we've been talking about hearing God's voice. And uh, so I hope that you've been encouraged and challenged and uh, maybe just inspired a little bit uh, that God speaks to you because he absolutely does. And so over these last few weeks... The first week we really discussed, is God really still speaking to people? Because a lot of people don't think that he is. You know, they believe, well, that passed away and, you know, all those things. But yet Jesus, our Savior, says something different. He, and we'll look at these verses in a minute. But he says, my sheep know my voice. Well, that means I am speaking and I expect you to hear me. And so, you know, that didn't go away. And, uh, you know, and I believe that as, as long as we're here on earth, I believe that God wants to speak to us. And not only does he want to, I believe we need him to. Uh, vitally need him to because how can we live successfully for him and even to the extent of how can we be led by the Holy Spirit if we don't know how to recognize the voice of God and so in week one we talked about that is that is God still speaking to people last week we looked at this uh, was just a few things that can hinder us from hearing from God because there are absolutely hindrances um that, from, that keep us from hearing from God. This morning, we're going to look at some things about how do we align ourselves to hear God more effectively. Alignment matters, big time. If you don't think so, just drive your car forever and eventually it's going to get out of But don't worry about it. You know what happens when your car gets out of alignment, though? It begins to ruin your tires pretty quick. How many of you realize that? Why? Because things are out of alignment. Well, there's, so let me say it this way. There are consequences when alignment is out of balance. Well, there's also consequences for us when we get out of balance with the Lord. Well, how do we stay aligned? We got to listen. We got to listen for him. So we're going to look at that this morning. Next week, I'm going to share with you about discerning or how to confirm that it's God speaking to you. Because it's one thing to, to hear, but you may hear God, but then you're like, well, was that really the Lord or was that just me? Was that just a random thought? Because how many of you ever had that challenge? Like, I think it might have been the Lord or maybe it wasn't. I'm not quite sure. You know, I mean, I've had times where the Lord has spoken to me in the middle of the night and I woke up. Like, just something in my heart. And I'm like, okay, was that a dream? Although God does use dreams to speak to us. But sometimes, it, you know, and sometimes I'll just sit there for a few minutes. And I'll just be like, okay, Holy Spirit, what was that? I'm not sure why this is even on my mind. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, and, but I, and so I just share some things with you next week about how to discern. Because I believe that's important. You know, is this me? Is this the Lord? Is this the enemy? Whose thought is this? And what do I need to do with it? And uh, so we're going to share that with you. But today, I'm going to be sharing with you about how to align yourself to really get in a place to hear from God. You know, I've prayed this for years and years and years uh, over myself, and I pray it over you as the church. And so, um, but it's a, it's a pretty simple prayer. But this is, this is one of my prayers that I pray probably as consistently as about anything, is that, Father, we hear your voice accurately and clearly. Accurately and clearly, accurately and clearly. And I say it all the time. I, I confess it over my life. Father, I thank you that even the smallest whisper that I'm going to uh, pay attention to and grab hold of, that I'm not going to miss what you would uh, speak to me or lead me in. Why? Because I want to hear God accurately. I don't want to hear him vaguely. Amen. Right? Amen. The Bible says we can have the, what, the petitions of our heart, the prayers of our heart. So my prayer is, God, I hear you accurately and clearly. It ain't foggy. It ain't like mixed signals. It's, God, I know this was you. And part of how you do that is keeping yourself in alignment. And, uh, you know, and so the text that we've been looking at over the last few weeks actually comes out of John chapter 10. And I'm going to read verse, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read verse 10 first. Uh, and then I'll 
give you a few of the others that we've looked at, but this is the verse that many people quote, but they take it out of context many times, and it says that the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says, my purpose is to give you a rich and a satisfying life. Other translations say that I have come to give you an abundant life, an over-the-top life. Other trans- another translation would say it this way, I've come to give you a God kind of life, like the Jesus kind of life. Well, you know, if Jesus is our standard and he said that I didn't do anything that I didn't first get from the Father, then how are we going to follow his example if we can't hear the Father speak to us? It would be pretty impossible. And one thing that I am firmly convinced of is that God will never ask us to do something that's impossible. It might seem impossible. It might look impossible to us. But if Jesus had to be led and hear the voice of his Father to do what he was called to do, guess what? So are we. We're going to have to learn how to hear. And even here, Jesus says, look, I've come so that you could have life and have it to its fullness or in abundance. In verse 3 of John chapter 10, he says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. So this is God saying he's opening the gate for Jesus. And the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. Says he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. Now, let me just stop here for a moment because I believe that this is crucial to us. It says that he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. Leads them out of what? I mean, where is Jesus leading us individually out of right now? We were just singing about it. Darkness. Sin. Like, I mean, bondage. Uh, You know, I mean, it's fear. I mean, there's lots of things. But what did he just say? The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I want to lead you out of that. And where? Into a full life. Like real life. And he says, if you will learn to what? To follow me and listen to me, I know you and I will lead you to a place of safety. Says in verse 4, he says, he has gathered his own flock and he walks ahead of them. Has Jesus already walked ahead of us to, to heaven? Did he not tell his disciples that, look, I'm going to what? Prepare a place for you? He says, if it were not so, I would not tell you this. Yet it says he goes ahead and they will follow him because they know his voice. I'm not concerned that whenever my life may come to expiration that I'm going to get lost. Why? Because Jesus has already what? Provided the way. I'm not going to be stuck in purgatory somewhere going, Jesus, where you at? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know. No, the Bible says what? To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. That fast. The blink of an eye. Like faster than we can conceive of. In a moment of time. Jesus has what? Gone ahead. And yet he says, they will follow me because they know my voice. In verse 5 it says, they will not uh, follow a stranger for they will run from him because they don't know his voice. Here's how you know the real deal, or the, the fake, is you get to know the real. It's like when people like counterfeit, you know, uh, like people in our, uh, whatever you call it, people who handle our money. How about that? They don't study counterfeits to figure out what's counterfeit. They study the real thing, and then they, it makes it very easy to recognize a counterfeit. When we know the voice of God, it makes the voice of the enemy... Very clear like that. It's not the Lord. That's not, I know his character. He doesn't talk like that. He doesn't act like that. He doesn't accuse like that. He doesn't bring condemnation like that. He doesn't bring fear like that. That's not the Lord. 
So as we get to know him, it makes the voice of the enemy actually lose power because we come to a place where we can easily recognize that this is the voice of my Savior. And, and so um, in verse... Uh, well, in verse 9, we've read this each week, but Jesus says, I am the gate. He says, those who come in through me will be saved. He says, and they will come and go freely. So Jesus is leading us, but it's not to a life of bondage. As a matter of fact, he says, you can come and go freely. I'm not here to limit you. I'm actually here to bring you into safety, but it's actually going to expand your life, expand your experience. And he says, and you will go and find good pastures. That's an abundant life. Verse 10, the thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give, you a ri- or give them a rich and a satisfying life. This is, uh, I believe, the context, and it is, uh, for what we can tell, even here, is that the context of living an abundant life is what? It's all dependent upon hearing and learning to hear and to recognize the voice of God. So you've got to have faith that God even wants to speak to you. And I'll show you this here in a few moments. But, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this. And so even the idea that to truly listen requires that we actually listen. Just because we hear doesn't mean that we process. I told you last week about that your mind filters out somewhere between... 80 and 90% of useless information. We hear things. Things coming through our eyes, our ears. Our mind is constantly dumping it. Spam, spam, spam. How many of you have a spam folder on your email? You don't have to go in there and delete that spam. Why? Because your, your computer says, oh, that's spam. We're going to kick it out. Your brain, if you think that's impressive, your computer does that. It fails in comparison to, your, to, the, brain that, or to the computer that we call our brain. We're constantly filtering out useless information. And so we need to learn to listen. Uh, And so uh, the word listen there defined means to pay attention to a sound. To hear with thoughtful attention or to be alert to an expected sound. An expected sound. Have you ever like been startled by a noise? Like a loud thump or something and you're like, oh, and it startles you? Why did it startle you? Because you weren't expecting it. It's like if you think you're home alone and somebody else comes in, but you don't know they're there. And then all of a sudden you're like, is somebody breaking the house? I hear some noise going on. Who, who is that? Even fear can try to come in in that moment. But you go downstairs and you're like, oh, it's just you. Why didn't you tell me you were home? It's because you don't expect it. But yet if somebody's home, you don't think anything about it. You're like, oh, that's just so-and-so. That's just whatever it may be. But we get startled because we're not expecting it. But I believe that we have to be expecting. One of the criteria, and this isn't even really part of it uh, necessarily, but just on the, on the front side is you have to believe that God is actually speaking to you to hear him. If you don't believe God's speaking to you, you're not even paying attention. So God may be speaking, but you're not even really considering it. And so, you know, like, let me give you just a natural example of this. But what do you do when you turn your car radio on? You hit the little button, and what do you expect? You expect to hear something, right? I mean, I don't hit the button thinking, nothing's going to happen. I expect that when I turn that thing on, what? Instantly. There's going to be some signal. And I'm never, like, shocked by it. I'm not like, oh, my gosh. I didn't know that's what that did. I have faith in expectation that says, when I hit this button and I go to this certain frequency, I'm going to hear this type of music. I would be shocked if I went to a certain station and it was playing a different kind of music. Because I'm like, this is the right frequency. This is what's supposed to be coming through on this. You know, I got it preset. I just hit a button. 
and I hear whatever music particularly may be my choice. Right? I'm not surprised by it because that's my expectation. See, in much the same way, I believe that our antenna, our spiritual antenna has to be up to catch what God is saying to us. Now, some of you have had a car like this, but I remember, um, I think my dad had one where when, you know, you, or maybe it was my mom's van, I don't remember, but you could turn the car on and the, the radio antenna wouldn't go up until you turned on the radio. And then it was a powered antenna. How many of you know, remember, I know it might be a little while, but had these little powered antennas. And guess what? You couldn't get good radio signal until that antenna was all the way up. In the same way, we ought to have our spiritual antenna up. And you're like, well, how do I do that? You expect to hear something. I'm not surprised that God speaks to me. I read in Scripture that He wants to speak to me. That He wants to lead me. That He wants to guide me. That He has an abundant life. And He says, not only do I have it for you, I'm going to tell you how to get there. Well, the Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our lead. He's the one that we are to follow. Well, how do you follow somebody that you can't see, you can't hear from, you can't get directions from? And so it's vitally important for us to have faith that we can hear the voice of God. And it's not strange and it won't make you weird. As a matter of fact, I believe the Lord will tell you to stop being weird. If you're being weird. Jesus wasn't weird. Jesus was accused of a lot of things, but weird was not one. I mean, you know, let me say it this way. Just this is a side note, but sometimes we think that God is fragile in us. Like that the anointing in us is fragile. And so it's like, you know, well, we have to be careful. No, what we need is to be led by the Spirit. Jesus was accused of being what? The friends of drunks and sinners. And you're like, well, I don't know if I could go into that environment. You could if you could hear the voice of God. Because he says, okay, you fulfilled your purpose. Now you can walk out. Or even like, hey, you're getting a little too comfortable. You need to walk away. Being led by the Spirit is very important. Being led by the voice of God is very important. There's been multiple times in my life where the Lord led me to do something. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But given a few months, three months, six months, I'm like, man, I'm so glad that I listened. Even though everything in me was like, nope. I heeded that. And in the end, it proved out. And there's been other times that the Lord's led me to do things. I mean, I'll give you an, an example of this. Now, this one was actually a very serious example. Um, when me and a friend of mine, we were leading a youth team to the Philippines. We were going to take a missions trip. And we were taking about 50 people to the Philippines. Um, me and him and another guy had gone early, a few months early, to scout out the trip. To kind of lay out our game plan and what we were going to do, what we weren't going to do, this and that. Well, while we were on the trip, we were actually almost on, we were coming home. But we were on a little ferry and there was a guy named Roy who was a local pastor. And um, he, um, he was Filipino and so we're just being goofy Americans, which if you've never been out the country, we stand out bad. Um, we just do. And there's no mistaking an American in a foreign culture. It's just, it's just who, you know. God bless us, right? And, uh, and I don't actually mean that in a good way. It's just, we need some help. And you're like, well, why? Because we're the most blessed nation on the planet. And many times we don't know our blessings and therefore we just stand out. But anyhow, long story short, Roy comes to us and says, hey, y'all go get in the car right now. Which Roy, had, he was an ex-drug dealer gang member. I mean, he was like the top 10 in the Philippines, most wanted kind of deal. Well, he got radically saved, became a pastor, all this stuff. Well, all of a sudden, Roy is like adamant, get in the car right now. 
And we didn't know why. And so we get down the road a little ways and Roy hadn't said a word, which he was pretty lighthearted and pretty joking, but he was dead serious. And we were like, this is creepy. After about 20 minutes, we asked him, we said, hey, Roy, what's going on? And he said, well, there was a guy on the boat who was talking to a friend of his saying he knew how much money he could get for each of you. So I'm trying to get you to safety. Okay, so that's kind of a crazy situation. I'm like, wow, I actually know what I'm worth in a dollar figure. That's a weird moment, uh, quite honestly, because you sit there and think, and you're like, that's it? That's all I'm worth? Like, you know, I mean, I would like to think I'm more valuable than that, but not to this guy. But what happens, as I said, and that wasn't the, the, and this is why I say that it's important, is that when I came home, me and my buddy had talked about it, and we said, we've got to talk to our pastors. We may not be able to take this trip, because this is dangerous. I mean, this was an Al-Qaeda stronghold uh, on the particular, it was actually the most violent of all the Filipino islands. It's also the largest, but Manila is one of the largest airports or one of the most heavily human trafficked area or airports in the world. We were flying through Manila and we're going to take a bunch of teenage kids to this. So we talked to our pastors and we tell them what's going on. And I didn't like my pastor's response because he said, I trust you. And it made me really nervous. Because it was, do we need to go or do we not? And he says, well, you can hear from God just like I can. You're going, not me. I felt a little nervous. And he wasn't just saying that flippantly because I was taking his little 17-year-old daughter with me. So he's not just trusting me as, as, you know, just somebody taking a trip. He's trusting me with his daughter amongst 50 other people. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed. And we're like, God, are we supposed to do this trip? Well, ultimately, we came to yes. I don't know if I've ever been so nervous in my life. You got a bunch of young people running around being, where, you know, you walk from here to there and just, I mean, you know. But I needed to hear from God. Well, what if I couldn't? I wouldn't have gone. I'd have said, no way. But we went and never had an issue. Everything went as smooth as could be. But in a moment like that, it'll make you kind of be like, "Mm, maybe this was just a bad idea we had one day talking about it. Maybe we shouldn't do this. But we knew in our heart. And so, you know, it's moments, and we all face moments like this in our life. Maybe not life-threatening per se, but maybe. I mean, I mentioned this earlier. When Max fell, there were a lot of people with a lot of opinions about what we should do. What's the right one? I mean, this is my son. He wasn't even a year old yet. You know, and they're saying, oh, well, you know, he may have internal bleeding. He may do this. We have to drill a hole in his head to drain. And we have to do this. And we may have to do that. And all these things. And it's just like information overload. Well, you've got to be able to decipher the noise and be able to hone in and to really focus on the voice of God speaking. And so that's why it's important. Why And... Praise God, my son is totally whole and well and perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. I don't know if I've ever prayed so hard in my life, but, you know, but at the same time, it wasn't anything like what they said. But, like, well, was it just not that bad? I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I believe God worked. We left the hospital in less than 24 hours after. You know, but... It was a combination of what? Speaking the name of Jesus, praying, but also listening for the voice of God. The name of Jesus is not my trump card, 
overall my circumstances. I can declare Jesus' name, but I still need to listen for his voice. You still need to listen for his voice. And so it's important. And so I want to give you just a, I actually have six things, uh, six ways to align your ears or your spirit man to hear God speak. You know, we see it uh, multiple times at the book of Revelations, but it makes, he makes a statement, uh, Jesus does to multiple churches, so groups of people. And he says, if you have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. So just because you can hear, just because you're saved, doesn't automatically mean, oh, I get to hear the voice of God. No, you get to hear the voice of God when you make it a priority. Like when you have an expectation, uh, in a, so you have faith that God's going to speak, and I have an expectation that I'm going to hear. Amen. I would encourage you to adopt my little quote. Father, I thank you that I hear you accurately and clearly. And you ought to say it often. You speak and I hear. And when I hear, I act. I'm not moved by fear. I move in faith. And you ought to have some things, some confessions that you speak over your life. I'm not intimidated by the devil. The greater one lives on the inside of me. I can do all things that you have called and created me to do. And as you lead me, I will follow. I will not hesitate. I will not step back. I mean, things like that. You're like, well, that just sounds like a bunch of self-talk. Yes, it is. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Strengthened himself in the Lord. Well, I'm just taking what the Bible says and about me and saying it to myself. Why? Because nobody else is, so I might as well start talking to myself. So it's important. So these are six ways that will help you stay in alignment to hear God speak. The first one is this. Set an appointment. Set an appointment. You know, I don't really do much of anything without setting an appointment. Why? Because I'm impatient. I don't like wasted time. I don't just take my car to the place and say, hey, when y'all get to it, can you change the oil? When I, I mean, I'm that guy that calls and I'm like, what time you want it there? You're not going to have it days. Like, well, we got a lot of work to do. I understand. Two days? Two hours? What are we talking about? I need to know. I'm trying to schedule the rest of my life. I don't just show up to get a haircut and just be like, well, she's got time. I call and make sure she got time. I don't just, I mean, unless an emergency, but if I'm going to see a doctor, I call a doctor. If I need to talk to somebody, I never just call them and just say, hey, you need to talk to me right now. Now, you know, I don't set up an appointment to talk to my wife. We talk all the time. But I respect other people's time. You know, like, I mean, Pastor Rob will be here on Wednesday. I don't, I, I rarely ever just call him. I usually send a text and say, hey, when do you have time to talk? What am I doing? I'm setting an appointment. Why? Because I have an expectation that we're going to talk. And so, but you can set an appointment. And what am I saying by that? Create some space for God. I mean, we make appointments for everything else in life. I mean, you know what time you, you're supposed to be at work in the morning. And you know what time you should get off. You have parameters. So you need to establish and to set an appointment. In Mark chapter 1 verse 35 it says that before daybreak the next morning Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. He went and got alone with God. Now I realize that this verse makes it sound like well you know like for me at my house I have an office that I go to. That's like my dare jokes and calls it the upper room because it is. It's upstairs. It's the only room up there, but that's my office. That's where I go pray. That's where I study. That's, you know, and so we joke. Max calls it the treehouse. And, uh, you know, I don't know where he got that, but he, that's what he calls it. But I have times that I get away to pray, specific times. 
And I can tell you, Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, I have pretty much a very rigid schedule. That those are times that I set aside to what? Pray, to worship, to, to read, to study, whatever it may be. But th- I have a time. Well, I have times throughout the week that I try to hold to. You know, and, and why? Because if you don't set an appointment, you're bound to miss it. Now, you don't, it doesn't even have to be at your house. Because you may be like, man, I don't have anywhere at my house. How about your break at work? You got 15 minutes, 20 minutes, lunchtime. I mean, I, I did that. I worked for UPS, and we had a 15-minute break. And I would go and sit down and read my Bible for 15 minutes at whatever time in the morning, 6 or 7 in the morning, whenever I took break. I just took those 15 minutes, grabbed me a Coke or Dr. Pepper or whatever. I'd go sit down, and I would read. I would meditate Scripture. That was my appointment. You're like, man, you're in the middle of a warehouse. Yep. And I had a meeting with God. So I'm not telling you that it has to be like what it says here where it's isolated and no one else is around and you've got this perfect situation. So it requires focus. I mean, I was listening. To, actually, I, when we were at the men's summit, I had gone to a breakout session with one of their pastors and he's had an appointment with God for 40 years at McDonald's. No joke. Every morning he goes to McDonald's and does his quiet time with the Lord for 40 years. I'm like... That doesn't seem like the holiest of places. <laughs> Surely the Lord can't show up at McDonald's. I'm sure he can't. Why? Because somebody made an appointment. God will meet you where you're at. It's not about having the perfect environment. Sometimes if you're not careful, and I've experienced this in my own life, that, I, that I, if I couldn't have the perfect prefabricated environment, I couldn't even pray. You know, if I didn't have the lights right, the music right, if I wasn't, you know, if things weren't just simply just I, I was thrown off. And I realized that was hindering my relationship. I mean, I've done that before. Took my drive to work and my drive home. And I just said, that's my time. I'm going to spend some time worshiping and praying. At that time, I had 25 minutes each way. And I said, that's 50 minutes a day. And it was at a crucial time of my life that I believe ultimately got me here. This door would not have opened. I'm a bit of that. So you got to set a time. So... um, you know, I said this, but if, if you don't set an appointment, you're absolutely going to miss it. So you got to make some space. Yes, you do, just make a determination. You know, like, and, and I know, I'll just tell you this just because for years I, I struggled with this. Is that so many people talk about doing quiet time in the morning. How many of you are not morning people? <laughs> See, that quiet time in the morning doesn't do much for me because I'm half awake. Yeah. Now, if, you know, yes, I could. But my sweet spot is 10 o'clock at night to 1 o'clock in the morning. That's my sweet spot. That's when I'm most awake. That's when most, why? Partly because a lot of the distractions are removed. People ain't calling at that time of day. But I'm a night owl too. But if I can get along with God during that time, it's amazing how clearly his voice becomes. Then because I heard everybody talking about doing I do good just to make it out of bed and get, get going where I need to go. <laughs> It's like, how late can I set my alarm clock and still make it there on time? Yes. (laughs) If I don't hit snooze, I've got it all laid out perfectly. And then one day I was reading, which some of you will know who this is, some of you it won't. Brother Kenneth E. Hagin was a night person. And he prayed, and his quiet time was at night. It set me free. I was like, praise the Lord. I'm in good company. You know, I mean, so... It's not, it's not legalism 
And don't let it become that. I mean, like, you know, the version app? Like, some of you know what that is. It's the Bible app. And you can download Bibles on it. They have reading plans. One of the things I love about it, and uh, I just love this feature to it. You go and do a reading plan. If you miss a couple days, they got a little button that says, catch me up. Yes. Just, boop. And what does it do? It just moves everything up. And it just, so there's no gap. And you just pick. I love it. Why? Because it's like, there's no need to feel condemned. Just, just hey, let's, let's hit the reset. We're, we're going to skip those empty days, and I'm just going to pick right back up. So don't allow it to become legalism, but make it a priority. You're like, well, how many days a week should I be seeking the Lord? Oh, let me ask you this. How many days a week do you want to hear from God? But also I realize is that there are days that circumstance, situation, whatever. Don't allow the enemy to condemn you, but make it a priority. Why? Because that's life to us. And so that's number one, set an appointment. Number two, be still and worship. Be still. That's hard for us. We get fidgety. We, we have a culture of ADD. Everybody's ADD. I remember when I was growing up, it was like you were weird if you had ADD. Now everybody's got it. And it's actually, I believe that to be true. We all are over-stimulated all the time. Just so much going on. So just to be quiet. That's why I like going fishing. I like the sound of a line. Because it's quiet. And it's amazing how much God will talk when I get quiet. And it's not that God didn't talk. And it's just now I can hear because I got quiet. And it says to be still. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. So make an appointment. Spend some time in worship. Get your favorite worship songs. Put them on your phone. Do whatever. Put them on a computer. Put it in your car. Whatever it may be. But then give some time for the Lord to, be, to speak to you. And you may not be able to be still every day. I'll just tell you that. I mean, we all work. We all have lives. We all have families. You may not be able to set aside a 10, 15 minutes. But make a priority a couple times a week to get quiet. Just to get quiet before the Lord. And just say, Father, I thank you that you speak to me and that I hear you. And that's important. The third one is this. Is to pray and to read. Pray and to read. So you're praying, you read scripture. You know, I, I mean, you're like, where do I read? If you've never really read the Bible much, start in the book of John. If you read the book of John, you're like, what else should I read? Go start in Proverbs chapter 1. Read one every day. There's 31 Proverbs, one for every day of the month. I did that for years. Today's the 20, what, 29th? You'd read Proverbs 29 today. You're like, what about 30 and 31? If they get left off, it's okay. If you want to be like, you know, if it's February and you're like, I want to read those three chapters, I feel cheated, then go ahead and read them. It's not that big a deal. Once you're done with that, go to, the, to what's called the epistles. So in other words, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and you start reading through the writings of Paul. Because that's going to start talking to you about who you are in Christ. Who you've been created to be. So there is some formula. There are some things that you can do. You know, like I mentioned earlier, you can get the Version Bible app. They've got, I don't know, thousands upon thousands of devotionals. And they'll give you a little snippet and they're going to say, go read this. It takes all the guesswork out of it. And they keep up with it and all this stuff. And then it gives you a little bad and says, congratulations, you've completed another plan. I mean, we live in the information age. We have no reason 
to not apply. Because here's the thing. The Bible may be ancient, but it doesn't make it old. It is still applicable today. But we have to make a priority of it. So you don't, here's the good news. You don't have to carry your Bible with you everywhere. Most of us have a phone that you can put the Bible on. So I can have the word with me anywhere. I mean, we, we live in a day, and, and, and I've said this before, but even if it's, you got a scripture, you're like, I don't know where that scripture is. Here's a little tip. If you go Google just the part that you know, chances are it's going to pop up. Because if you're like me, you know it in maybe one random translation that you read one time, but it really stuck out to you. And you're like, man, I can't find that anywhere in my Bible. Google. Use technology to your advantage. Pray scripturally. Now, now here's a, a good question that I think, and it's very practical. How do I know what to pray? You ever had that thought? I know I should pray. I just don't know what to pray. Here's, a, here's just a real simple way to know what to pray. Pray what's on your heart. Amen. Whatever you're concerned about. Right. You don't have to pray about everything. What's, what's weighing you down today? Yes. Maybe it's something in your marriage, your family, your finances, your job. Just pray about that. Yeah. You ain't got to save the world in one prayer. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you ever felt the pressure to pray some immaculate, perfect prayer? And what does that do? It keeps you from praying. Just pray what's on your heart. Whatever's there that day, pray that. Now let me give you a verse for this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. It says, So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and at, at the right time He will uh, honor you. In verse 7 it says, Give all of your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Yeah. Well, how do you give Him that? You pray. Father, I'm stressed right now. I'm stressed about this and about that. And I got this going on and I got this bill. I don't know how I'm going to pay. And I got this going on at work and my boss is stressing me out. I'm just going to cast, and another translation would say that, to throw or to cast all of your cares upon God. Why? Because he cares for you. Another translation says he affectionately is aware of you. He's paying attention. So pray what's on your heart. Start there. If you've got some things that you're believing God for, write them down. Yeah. I mean, I have a list on my phone, things I'm praying for. That's the title of it. It's on my notes. Things I'm praying for. So like if somebody calls me, because so, I'll forget. Why? Because my brain will say, oh, that was not essential information. So I go and I write it down. So that when I pray, I'm like, oh, I need to be praying for this person. I need to be agreeing with them in this or that. And even priorities in my life. I write down your confessions. Yeah. Father, I thank you that I am, uh, you know, whatever it may be. I am confident. I am strong. I, I have the ability to do what you uh, have for me to do. And you begin to speak those things over your life, even in the spirit of prayer. Like, Holy Spirit, I think that, that you're revealing to me that I am the head and not the tail. That I am the loved of the Lord. Yes. That I am the called. Yes. That, that God has put his spirit in me. Don't just make it in the third person. Make it personal. The word will come alive when you start doing that. Not just, well, God, I pray, pray to you. No, you are my God and my Father. And I look to you for my answers. Amen. And so you begin to pray like that, your prayer life will take a notch up. Why? Because it gives priority to prayer. So set an appointment. Be still at times. Pray and worship. Here's the fourth one, is to listen. Pray, listen. 
Like, and I know that kind of ties in with being still and being quiet, but listen, put your antenna up. Father, I'm going to give you, a, I have some faith that you're going to, to instruct me. Now, let me just tell you, this is from experience. If God doesn't speak anything in that moment, don't get discouraged. I can't tell you how many times that I have been praying and I got the lights right and I got the music right. I got the situation right. And the anointing should be here. And then I walk out and I'm driving, minding my own business. All of a sudden, there's the answer I needed. And I'm like, well, I would have thought you would have spoke to me in that perfect environment. And God's like, oh, I'm not limited to that space. And so just, you know, it's not just having the antenna up in that moment. I want to live that way. I want to live receptive. That's my goal. Why? Because I never know when I might need the Lord to speak to me. It might be in a moment of danger. And he said, don't go that way. Oh, okay. And, and so, you know, so here, now here's another aspect of this. Which is number one, to listen. And the second part is to write it down. Yes. Listen and write it down. I like to say it like this. is um, That we honor what God shares with us when we write it down. We honor it. We honor what God speaks when we write it down. Now, you may not be a big journaler. I'm not really. It's probably a discipline that I need to be better at. But to start writing down. Because one of the things, especially for me, because um, in my own life, many times I can't, which this is going to sound a little odd maybe to you. I can't necessarily verbalize the way I feel. But I can write it. And what you may find is you may not be able to necessarily recognize or hear the voice of God. But when you just begin to write down in that moment what God is speaking to you, you're going to begin to write it out. And you're going to be like, well, that ain't my thought. I know I just wrote it. Yeah, but that can be the Lord speaking to you as well as you write. So he's not just limited because sometimes they're just hurdles. Sometimes it's just hard for certain people. But there are ways, and you've got to figure out, like what I said earlier, you've got to figure out the time of day that works best for you. You've got to figure out how God speaks to you. Some people, they get out in nature. And because they're out in nature, they can, it just seems like their antenna can receive a little better. Some people need to be alone. Some people need it quiet. Some, whatever the situation may be, figure out what works for you. Psalms 45 verse 1. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. He says, my, now this is David who's very poetic and all that fancy stuff. So, but there's the principle still here. He says, my heart burst its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. He says, I pour it out in a poem to the king. You know, that is what the Psalms are. Yeah. They're poetry written from David and, and a few others, but primarily David. And it was him writing what the Lord was speaking to him. Yeah. And I love this. He says, shaping the river into words. So, I mean, you know, shaping the river into words. And sometimes we need God to help us do that. Yeah. Help us take, you know, even like, just as, as an example, you may experience the presence of God. We were singing about today, you know, uh, how the, I can't even remember the lyrics now all of a sudden, uh, about the river. Yeah. I come alive in the river. Okay, well, I need to turn that river into some words Amen. of thanksgiving and gratitude and faith. And Okay, so help me shape that river into words. In 1 Chronicles 28, 19, 
David again writes and says, Every part of this plan was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. Well, you know, we never have scripture where God wrote anything to David. We do to Moses, the Ten Commandments. He sketched them out. and then he... But David, we have no record of that. So what's David saying? I wrote down the abundance of my heart and God spoke through it. In Habakkuk 2, 2, it's a fairly familiar passage of Scripture, but it says, uh, write the answer plainly on tablets. Write the vision. Write, write what God's saying to you so that a runner can carry the correct message. Other translations will say this. Write the vision and make it plain so that he who reads it can run with it. In other words, God may speak a little something to you, but it's amazing how quickly we can forget. And if we write it down, I mean, I do this in my own life. There's, I have a... a, a document that I have lots of things that have been said over me or spoken to me. Paul said it this way. He said, Timothy, I want you to wage a good warfare with the prophetic words that were spoken over you. Well, those are specific words written from specific people. But how many of you realize that the Bible is a prophetic word to us all? Speaking what? Of better things. Of an abundant life that God has for us. So if we'll write it down, it honors God. What you honor will increase in your life. Honor always brings increase. So if you want to hear more of the voice of God, honor it. Honor brings increase. Here's the fifth one. And this is, you heard this last week and you're going to hear it again next week, but this ought to tell you something, that it keeps coming up. Be led by peace. Be led by peace. So in other words, if you've got chaos in your life, let me say it this way. People with drama have a hard time hearing from God. I was a youth pastor for years, so I, I've had full doses of, of drama. But I, and I'm, but I mean that with sincerity. If you have issues around, it makes it very difficult to hear the voice of God. You can't live in chaos all the time and, and expect that it's not going to affect you spiritually. It is absolutely going to affect you. So, this is going to sound a little funny, but you've got to fight for peace. You're like, fight for peace? That seems odd. No, you absolutely have to. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts, for as uh, members of one body you are called to live in peace. Live in peace. If you're going to hear from God, you've got to learn to live in peace. Why? Because the enemy wants to what? Steal your peace. He wants to destroy your peace. Why? Because it will ruin what God wants to do in your life if you don't have peace. So it's important. We have to protect peace in our life. John 14, 27, Jesus talking to the disciples, which would also be him speaking to us, says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. And the peace that I give is um, the gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Other places would say it this way. Do not let your heart be troubled. That's a commandment, by the way. It's not a suggestion. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I gave you my peace. Amen. Peace, it, it, it's important. We have to protect that in our life. If I can protect the peace of my heart, chaos doesn't have the opportunity to come in and rob me of God speaking to me. It keeps my antenna clear. Yes. In the Spirit. Here's the last one. Number six is yielding to the Holy Spirit by praying in the Spirit. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. By praying in the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, I don't know what you mean by that. I realize, depending on your background, some of you may or not know what I'm talking about. 
The Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You're like, what is that? It's a heavenly language. Uh, if you don't understand that, there's a couple church. If you're like, I don't want to talk to nobody about it. Here's a book for you. It's called The God I Never Knew by Pastor Robert Morris. It would be a great book for you. Um, because I think the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood topic of all Scripture. Um, many people have, it is the Spirit more than all of you. Believe that praying in the Spirit, fine jobs, and you turn them in that little thing, a slide, and the little one that would find spirit, man, what? God. I've had with, I have to submit to the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit above all, or that as you might benefit, if you will. And this is that the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is saying, for that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Now, a lot of people take verse 28 and say, oh, you can't understand God. Oh, He's going to work all things together for our good. Read it in context. He's talking about praying. The Holy Spirit praying over me, and God will what? Make the prayer that the Holy Spirit prays for life. He will bring that to pass. And so, these are six ways that will help you what? Fine-tune, set an, appointment. set an appointment and keep it. Set some time aside to be still and to, and for worship in your day-to-day life. Number three, pray and read the Word of God. Number four, listen and write it down. Honor God's Word by writing it down. Number five, fight for peace. Don't let the enemy steal your peace. Fight for peace. And the last one is yield to the Holy Spirit by praying in the Spirit. And these are six ways, six very practical things. I don't know why. This series, I have a list for, seems like every week I've had a list for you, which is unusual for me, but, but they're practical things. God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He wants to guide me. Why? Because he has a destination for us to go. He has a place. He has a life for us to live. It's for our good. It's for our blessing. It's for our benefit. But we've got to learn how to hear the voice of God. And so, uh, you know, just want to encourage you next week, we'll wrap this series up. I'll share some thoughts with you on how to discern when it's the Lord speaking because that's very important it's not enough just to hear him you got to be able to know when it's him too so we're going to share some along that line with you um, next week but uh, you can go ahead and stand up with me this morning I want to pray over you but uh, we're going to worship together this morning and as we do as always we're going to have people available for to pray with you but you may be here this morning you're like man I don't know about this whole praying in the spirit thing it's kind of weird to me but if the Bible says that I can have it, I want it. That's all it takes. It's a free gift. You don't have to, now here's the good news about the Holy Spirit. You don't have to understand it to receive it. You don't. I didn't understand salvation, but I'm sure glad I got it. And spend the rest of my life figuring out all the implications of it. But man, see, God doesn't say, go get educated and then you can receive it. He says, if you want it, you can have it. You can have salvation. You have the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You may be here this morning, you're like, man, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but I've never really surrendered. I've never yielded to the Holy Spirit, but I would like to. This morning, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do, as we always do, we're going to have people down here in the front to pray with you. You may be here this morning and say, man, I need somebody to pray with you.